0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. I'm Kimberly Johnson in DC and today Lorraine devin Wilkie is back and we have a lot to discuss. Just FYI, I had Nick Knudsen of the grassroots organization Demcast scheduled for today, but something suddenly came up and he had to reschedule. So we've inked 917, which um, will be not next week, but the following week. So save that date. And oh my God, I have some freaking amazing news. I just... Tagged Joe Walsh, presidential candidate Joe Walsh in a tweet, and invited him to be on this podcast, and he just agreed. So I'm going to be interviewing him, and I don't know when. We haven't set the time yet. I want to be very clear, though. I'm not supporting him, but I want to talk to him specifically about his campaign. Uh, against Trump. I want to find out where he stands on the issues. I want to I hear him challenge Trump when it comes to Russia. I want to find out where he stands on immigration. Um, I am going to be putting all of my differences aside with him, which I have many. But I saw him interviewed on Chris Matthews and all Chris did was focus on the fact that he said racist things and called Obama a Muslim. And frankly, I was irritated because I thought, that's fine and good. We all know who Joe is. Where does he stand on Trump? What is he going to go challenge Trump? I wrote a freaking article that um, said, you know, he is going to go after Trump in a way that Democrats cannot. If he says something about Putin or Russia or you know, or something along those lines that the Democrats have been talking about, and only the Democrats, then the Democrats can use what Joe says in a general election because it's originating from a Republican. So I want him to be very clear where he stands because I haven't really seen in his campaign for presidency, um, I haven't seen too much. Now, granted, I haven't been chasing him around, I haven't been watching. Um, you know, I, I only saw the one episode that Chris Matthews interviewed him outside of that. I haven't seen him on Fox or I don't even know if Fox would interview him, but I have a lot of questions for him. So, uh, I hope that people don't, you know, just say, Oh, screw that. Fuck him. Because that's what people are, Some people have said on my Facebook page, this is not about a, a liberal supporting a Republican. This is about, I'm a human being who believes Trump is an existential threat. And evidently, so does Joe Walsh. You know, he, he and I have very, very differing opinions on things. But this is one thing we can agree. We can agree that Trump needs to be removed. He needs to be voted out. He needs to be gone. So, you know, keep your opinion of, of, of Walsh. And, and I'm not trying to tell you to like him or anything like that. But I have questions for him, and oh my God, he just said yes, so I'm excited. I also want to tell you, next week is going to be super busy, because first of all, I don't even know when I'm going to be interviewing him. For all I know, it's going to be on Thursday, but on Monday, I should be interviewing Holland Taylor. Now, she's an actress who was in Bosom Buddies and Two and a Half Men, and she wrote and starred in, or is starring in, Anne on on Broadway, which is about Texas Governor Anne Richards. It's amazing. And then I'm also going to be interviewing Kristen Johnston of Third Rock and Mom on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to be interviewing Tim Wise. He is a white supremacy expert. He often appears on CNN and MSNBC. He's going to be really interesting to talk to. He's so damn smart. Um, So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. I have Thursday open. Maybe Joe's available. Boy, four, por- four podcasts in one week. That's going to be a lot of work. Um, anyway, so before we get going with, with Lorraine, uh, just I would like to remind everybody that the Start Me Up podcast is produced by me and only me. It's supported by you, listeners. I don't have the backing of corporate media. It's just me and you. And the truth is, none of this is going to happen or would happen without you. And that's why your financial support is needed to keep the show on the air. For $5 a month, you'll have access to bonus content in the form of End Another Thing, which is a mini uh, show posted after the free show, and it, it's posted at least two times per month. Sometimes a little more, but at least two. And that conversation is usually a carryover from what's on the free show. Sometimes we talk about other things. So when you get a chance, make sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com startmeup Sign up for at least a dollar per month, you'll hardly even miss it, and you'll be supporting the show in the best possible way. But uh, once again, just reminding everybody, And Another Thing will be at least two times per month, sometimes more. All right, so here is uh, my conversation with Lorraine. Hey Lorraine, welcome back to Start Me Up. Well, happy to be here, Kimberly. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I just wanted to remind, or not remind, but let everyone know, um, I, I... just told everybody that I'm going to be getting Joe Walsh on the show and you know, next week is just going to be chalked filled with guests. So I I also got, um, an email that Gloria Allred might be interested in being guest on September 11th. So that would be two shows on September 11th. So we'll see. I'm just putting it out there. Um, an
1: interesting day too, yeah. to have such such uh, polar firebrands on your show. Well,
0: right? what I would have actually on on September 11th, I've booked Tim Wise, and he is um, a white oh, yeah. s- white supremacy expert. And so um, she would have she would be later, and and then. I'm not sure when Joe Walsh is coming on. But yeah, I mean, I'm thinking maybe on Thursday. If I can get him for Thursday, then I'm going to totally do that. Um, sure. So anyway. Well, it's
1: interesting. Uh, I, I, it's interesting uh, because I saw a lot of people on your Facebook thread jump in and have something to say about it. And there was a lot of, you know, a certain amount of disagreement about yeah. it. And it's funny because I've, I have engaged with him a lot on Twitter. Not that he would know me. But uh, <laughs> that idea that, you know, for a while, most of his tweets were during the Obama administration, were horrible. Yeah. I mean, just, just horrible, as he has attested to. He said a lot of <laughs> yeah. horrible, incendiary, idiotic things. But I certainly also made note of the fact that uh, he was one of the very few Republicans, uh, besides Bill Kristol, who would come on Twitter and other forums and be extremely candid about his mm-hmm. anti-Trump stance. So to me, right there, he scored a point, point. that didn't negate, all the horrible stuff he said about Obama and other people, but I appreciated in this world of sycophants and toads, mm-hmm. I appreciated that he had no fear mm-hmm. about coming out and speaking very vociferously against Trump because there actually are very few people that do that mm-hmm. in the Republican Party, and the ones that do get excoriated from both sides, right? Yeah. They get excoriated by Dems going, Oh, now you're, mm-hmm. you know, now you're blah blah blah, like when Scaramucci came mm-hmm. out, and I thought. I don't care when it happens. <laughs> I don't care when the epiphany occurs. Yeah. If an epiphany is honest, and and again, we don't really know that for sure. It could be expeditious. It could be uh, convenient. I don't know. But it seems to me that both guys, like Scaramucci and Joe Walsh, who were very, who are very, very right wing, pro Republican, mm-hmm. whatever, are pretty being pretty candid and pretty. Uh, forthright. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Joe and I have actually quote tweeted each other and we haven't been very nice <laughs> in yeah, the past. No, you, me, <laughs> me, me
1: too. Let me join that party because I mean, he has said some horrifying oh, said God, yeah. things and, and I've been very, uh, you know, un you know, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Unvarnished. Right. How I've responded to some of those. But I have also shared and responded to tweets of his that I completely and one hundred percent agreed with right, whether it was so about I- gun whether it was about guns mm-hmm. or whether it was about Trump or whether it was about what was happening with the Republican Party. So, you know, I I can't put everybody in a box and just say, well, that's where they are and we're not going to... Well, the thing is, is
0: liberals love to scream about, where are all the Republicans who don't like Trump? And then one stands up and they're like, oh, now you say something. And it's like, just fucking stop it. Just, you know, it doesn't mean you have to support him. It doesn't mean you have to send him money. It's that you can appreciate the fact that finally um, someone who's got some pretty decent stature... I mean, Scaramucci was up there, but... um, you know, the 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 enemy of my enemy is my friend, and that's kind of how I look at it. It's like if he the, right. the only problem that I have, and I did call him out on this yesterday, and this is what gave me the idea to even invite him on the show, is that I really haven't been seeing him go after Trump in the way I expected him to, because we all know Joe is a toe part uh toe party <laughs> tea party Republican, <laughs> right. and and so. You know, he's got these really strong feelings about things. And uh, I, of course, I do not agree with Tea Party politics in any way. Um, Although I do, you know, I mean, it's great that Joe has, you know, repeatedly brought up Trump's relationship with Putin and how the Russia situation is um, clearly not helping us and it's hurting our democracy. And I really want to get him to talk about those kinds of things because. As I mentioned on the opening of the show, when I saw him on Chris Matthews, all Chris did was go after him for his attacks on Obama. And it's like, look, we already know this about him. We already know. On January January 2017, he wrote Obama is a Muslim on Twitter. It's like, all right, fine. We know what you think. I really don't give a shit. Obama isn't president anymore. I want to know how you're going, how you're planning to defeat Trump. I want to know, you know, what he has to say to Trump about Vladimir Putin.
1: Well, and, and the other thing that I, I kind of react to is
0: when other liberals, other Dems uh,
1: make a comment to someone like you or me to say, don't, you know, why are you supporting him now? Why, you know, this guy has said and done all these awful <laughs> yeah. things. And it's, it's, it's like, one of them, do you think, do you think I'm that stupid that right. I don't understand that there is a spectrum of opinion here? Mm-hmm. I am responding only and specifically because right now, the elephant in our living room <laughs> is Donald Trump and all the, uh, the, you know, the tributaries that spew out from Donald Trump. That is the biggest, most heinous thing that we all have to deal with. So let's put our focus on that. You know, let's not right. go back and, you know, relitigate everything he ever said that was horrible. Because while that's true... He has also, and again, I'm not saying I believe him 100%, but right. he has also said, yeah, I, I said some stupid shit that wasn't really correct. Yeah, well, and, and you know I what? He's
0: he's anti-choice. So he and I, and, and I said to him in my tweet, right. I said, I want to put aside our differences, my differences with you. I just want to talk about Trump because I'm not seeing this campaign that I was expecting. I'd like to see him be right. a little bit more of an attack dog. I, You know, I mean, and I do want to ask him, when I go over to uh, my least favorite uh, conservative duo, Chicks on the Right, and I visit their page, any you know, there was one post, and I haven't been there for a week, but there was ever since he announced, there was one post up about him, and I did see a lot of people commenting that they don't like him so I want to address that because one of the things that he talks about is there are a lot of Republicans and I believe him on this I believe there are a lot of Republicans who secretly don't like Trump but they don't want to say it out loud and right. you know he's I, like I, I just so how is he going to um court them what you know what is he saying to them what's his message to them is he going and doing town halls what How is he reaching out to those voters who don't, you know, I mean, so I'm just I don't I don't care if he's against abortion. I mean, clearly I do. But he's not a lawmaker anymore. He's just a voice on Twitter like the rest of us. And now he's a presidential candidate. And maybe he does want a book deal. But I don't care right now. He has an opportunity um, if, if his true goal, at least one of his true goals is to defeat Trump. Then he has some power because he's got the ability to bring up. Um, Certain kinds of uh, issues that, you know, maybe have been brought up by by Democrats, but are not as um, it's not going to have as much impact if it's coming from a Democrat. If a Democrat in the general election can quote Joe Walsh and say Tea Party Republican who ran against you in the primary said X, Y and Z, what do you have to see that Trump's going to have to be defending himself to Republicans against, you know, what a Republican said about him.
1: And and I think that's really the salient issue, which is that I don't in my wildest dreams think Joe Walsh can beat Donald Trump. I don't right. think, you know, in the Republican Party, I don't think anyone's going to beat Donald Trump right at this point. He right. still has far too much support. But given the situation that we're in, where very, very few Republicans will speak out against him. I mean, look at what happened to Justin Amash after he came out. Yeah. It's, it's like. You know, suddenly he got attacked and, and one of the things I said was, well, you know, he's not running for anything right now, which I don't even know if that's true.
0: I think I think I, think, I don't think that he is, his- but I don't know.
1: Uh, OK but the point was it was like oh he doesn't count because he's not in a powerful position well here's a guy who says he's going to run against he's going to primary the mm-hmm. president of the United States and he's willing to come out and put some skin in the game and i got to give him i've got to give him some credit for that like you i know we're repeating ourselves but there's so much of his pr- platform i don't agree with but the fact that a tea party republican uh, has the balls to come out and take a stand? Yeah. To me, I felt relief. It was like because you start to feel like your your intelligence is being insulted <laughs> daily yeah. by the number of you know you see guys like you know uh, Lou Dobbs yes. and Newt Gingrich and all these guys you know out there you know in you know Lou Dobbs, Democrats hate America you know and gushing over Trump and you just think, I'm sorry, I don't understand how <laughs> any. Sane human being of any stripe, any mm-hmm. party, any orientation, any race, creed, or color can stand there and say, Trump is a good person and yeah. a good man, and we should all support him. I, I that insults my intelligence. I would rather people say he is a criminal and an asshole and a horrible person, he doesn't know what he's doing. But he's making me richer, so I'm going to support him. Yeah, I mean, just be (coughs) honest about it. Well, and I think that's really what the (laughs) reading between the lines. I think guys like you know Lou Dobbs and Newt Gingrich. That's exactly what they're saying. Yeah, they're saying you're enriching me. Right. Um, you're enriching me, so I'm I'm going to support you. Yeah. Right. I'm going to ignore all the, you know, the outweighing bulk of horrible things about you because my stocks are increasing. Exactly, and that's, and really that's what, what it all they're
0: saying. yeah. And and I mean we all know that but they don't have uh the guts to actually say something like that. And so um but you know, I kind of want to turn this into one of the sure. things that I wanted to talk about which is I truly believe that uh, we are watching Fox. I mean, I'm sorry, Trump loses mind and he's losing Fox. And I wrote about this yesterday and yeah. a couple of different things. First of all, did have you seen Showtime's The Loudest Voice?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. my God.
0: I'm so glad. Um, oh so, my God. OK, w- with Trump going mad in front of our eyes just in the last couple of weeks, we saw and, and then I take this in comparison. I, I really highly recommend if you haven't seen The Loudest Voice, it's so worth it. Um, it's very hard to take in many yeah. instances, because Roger Ailes was such a disgusting and vile man, especially when you're a woman watching this, it's oh really hard to take. Um, and Russell
1: Crowe is brilliant. Oh,
0: everyone. And the woman, yes. Sienna Miller, who played his Almost wife,
1: unrecognizable
0: and just perfect. Brilliant. She just nailed that yes. kind of woman. Like there was totally that agree. inside anger that was coming out in her conservative viewpoints. But, but, um, So, okay, when you when you watch that, I think it was the last episode or at least the last two episodes, they showed clips of Trump in 2016. And the way that he sounds compared to that, you know, like today compared to how he sounded then is different. You know, there there is definitely some marbles falling out of his head. And, you know, he's running around saying stupid shit like um, he's the chosen one. And did he say he was the king of Israel? I don't even somebody, a, something I like think that. Somebody
1: said uh, some some pundit, some right wing guy. I can't remember his name. Um, said it, and he t- retweeted it.
0: Okay, <coughs> and yeah, then oh my good. god, and then Check. yeah, because I didn't even follow that one. And then of course, there's he denied it. But if you nuke a hurricane to break it up, and then uh, I don't know, there's yeah, like know. a number of things that he's just said lately that make yeah. no sense. Oh oh, I know that he doesn't. He's never even heard of a category five hurricane, which I'm not sure if he is purposely just spewing out propaganda to do it, or if he's, if he's trying to act like, because he's president, everything has taken up to the next level. And, Oh, look what I've done to help this hurricane. I I don't know what the fuck he's thinking, but he's, he's unraveling. And then I I think it's,
1: I I think, I think it's, I don't know whether he honestly does or doesn't believe half the stuff he says, but he think he has that very um, arrested development, sophomoric, uh, mud-throwing, poop-throwing <laughs> tendency to just say shit that he knows is yeah. going to start a fire. He he gets right. a kick out of that. He's and that, that is, guy yeah. who walks into the room and lobs a Molotov cocktail and then stands outside giggling and rubbing his hands together. Yeah, He loves it because he loves to stir up chatter that's focused around him and, and he's by the good way, at it the, the king of israel thing was a quote from wayne allen root
0: oh okay the said, conspiracy President dude.
1: trump is the greatest president for jews and for israel in the history of the world not just america he is the best president in, in, in the history of the oh my god he just goes on and on <laughs> and and then trump t- retweeted it oh my uh, god and says let's see here found an unhinged supporter who says they love, who loved Trump like king, the King of Israel and the Second Coming of God? Oh my God. And then Trump, of course, retweeted us, thanking him. Of course. Thanking him for this, these accolades. Oh my God!
0: Well, yeah. I mean, he's just—he is. Like again, is it that he's delusional? But but yeah, you're right. It's like he's, well, he's the you, chaos I, when, agent.
1: When you yes, absolutely. Uh, when you see old footage of him from. Mm-hmm from decades ago, he is remarkably different now. Oh, yeah. It's very clear. Typically, when you see somebody uh, 20, 30 years ago, they don't seem that different now, even though they're older. Um, They're still themselves. They still sound like themselves. They still talk like themselves. He honestly, completely, he sounds completely different in his pattern, Mm -hmm. in the cadence of his voice, Mm -hmm. in the way he communicates his ideas. So, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to use the D word, but something's going on with him. Yeah, well, he's clearly
0: on medication. And, you know, whether or not he's suffering from any kind of dementia, he is, you know, there are times when he's the solemn Trump, when he talks real slow. (laughs) You know, and then there's the crazy, you know, um, rally Trump, where he's just, like you said, throwing those bombs out and and watching every, you know, especially like when he um, stood there for however long, letting them scream, send her back. Um, right. about Ilan Omar. And so, you know, I mean, he knows what he's doing. One of the things, you know, I mean, I don't think Trump is an intelligent man, but he's definitely a savvy, he's savvy at keeping himself relevant. And if, you know, all yeah. you have to do is look at how he managed to stay relevant when, when especially people in New York knew what his deal was. I mean, there was a quote in, um, Vanity Fair, they interviewed a Victoria's Secret model. I guess, and I, I don't remember the exact specifics, but the, the Victoria's Secret model said of Trump, you know, look, we all knew he was a joke, and we all knew he didn't have any money. So, he knew how to play around with oh other God, people's yeah. money, and get Russia money, and all of that, but he was pretty much known as a joke, and so, but he still managed to get on television shows, and um, get on Howard Stern, and, and, and he managed to stay in the public eye. And, um...
1: Well, and you know, people talk a lot about uh, the narcissism personality disorder. And, you know, I, I, honestly believe that that's not something to brush aside. I think when you look at his history and his trajectory in the political world, um, he operates fully within the realm of that, of the, of the description of that personality disorder, which has elements of sociopathy to it, where he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if what he says is hurtful, is damaging, is destructive, is potentially treasonous, is, is, uh, fomenting potential war, saber Mm -hmm. rattling. It's like it's all about what it brings him, which Mm -hmm. is attention. It's almost like what's that? No publicity is bad publicity. He really lives and breathes that philosophy that as long as people are talking about him, he doesn't care what it's about. And, you know, just to swing back a little bit to Joe Walsh a, a bit. One of the things that that he says repeatedly, and I think it's so very important because it does doesn't I don't know that it gets talked about enough seriously, is that he is uniquely, un, not just unqualified in terms of his experience or his intelligence or his awareness, but he is absolutely inept and incapable yeah. of being a good president. He is literally, we can talk forever about, well, will he pivot and will he grow and do <laughs> yeah. job? And I think, you know, no. I think at this point, the answer is no, not only that, he'll, he's going backwards. Yeah, you know? he's, I mean, he's he,
0: definitely losing, he's losing it. And, you know, as a result, when he when he tweeted out, um, let me go find it here. He, he put out that tweet that. Um, let's see. It's Oh, here it is. OK. So he said, I don't want to win for myself. I only want to win for the people. The new, the new, I love how he says, the new Fox News is letting millions of great people down. We have to start looking for a news, a new news outlet. Fox isn't working for us anymore. So when right. he said that, Britt Hume, who I actually met in an elevator briefly once very long ago, and, and my father, <laughs> I think, knew him because I, thought, I think he might have worked for ABC News and my dad did. But anyway, uh, Britt Hume tweeted to him and said, Fox news isn't supposed to work for you and then guy benson says we don't work for you then neil cavuto went off on trump for right. four minutes talking directly to him right calling right. him out on his lies calling him out on his bullshit this was all in reference to um a, a fox news poll that had joe that so it's got you know all the viables against a viable democratic pres- uh, presidential nominees or candidates, I should say, uh, against Trump. So we've got Joe Biden, 50%, tr- Donald Trump, 38%. Sanders, 48%, Trump, 39 Warren, 46 Trump, 39 Kamala Harris, tr- uh, candidate, uh, Cam- I'm sorry, Kamala Harris, 45%, Trump, 39 So he didn't like that poll. That poll pissed right. him off. And right. he doesn't like the fact that certain guests come on that show and talk shit about him. And you know, it's interesting because it, they are turning on him. And I, I mean, I don't know how far it's going to go, but I've often wondered about this and I let it go for a long time. And I think Horse Whisperer on Twitter was talking about this too, um, oh, you yeah. know, maybe less than a year ago. But that, Trump, that you know, like mark my words, Fox is going to turn on Trump. And I've thought the exact same thing. And, all the, and if they want to, all they have to do is what I'm seeing right now is a slow roll. So, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter argue and say, oh, well, I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I could remember, but it was some sycophant who was, you know, kissing his ass. And um, and they said, well, you know, this guy, Varney, that's just Stuart Varney. I think Varney was kissing his ass. And they're like, well, they're still for him. And it's like, look, not every single Fox personality is going to go after Trump all at once. It's going to be a slow roll. And so I think we're witnessing that. And, you know, I mean, if you watch The Loudest Voice, you know that Roger Ailes kind of like selected, like figured out Trump is going to be the one and right. he can win and we're going to give him all the time and but his sons didn't like Trump right. and actually neither really did uh Rupert Murdoch so but right. Mur- Murdoch you went mean, along with it mean for the money
1: Murdoch Murdoch's sons didn't like I'm that sorry you're
0: thing. right you're right you're yeah. right right I'm just yeah. like I've got so many That's things okay. swirling through my no, brain no, thank I you know, know. Uh, but yes Murdoch's sons does, d- didn't like Trump in fact spoiler um in you know when when you know, Gretchen Carlson went after him. And then he finally, you know, was fired from Fox News. The sons were sitting in on it, just because they wanted to watch. <laughs> because yeah. They were like, so happy to see him oh, go. I
1: know. Well, and, and the thing is, is that I, I think that uh, the brand, you know, from that time, I mean, even though it doesn't, it feels like it's been a decade. And it's only been like, basically, since the primary started, it's only been because uh, somebody said, you know, the primary started basically in 2015. So mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at four years that we've been dealing with the media's manipulation, uh, Russia, all, all of the things that went into putting this man into the White House, none of which had to do with a fair and balanced democratic election <laughs> of the American citizens mm-hmm. citizenry. Now, you know, the, the, it, it feels like it's been so long, but I think in that amount of time, you know it's so weird because i can't tell if it's because people are so engaged on social media and there's so much more conversation about it than there used to be uh or whether this period of time and your term chaos agent is so perfect that it's been so so chaotic it's Mm -hmm. been you know, somebody said something to me like, uh, "Oh, you used to write articles all the time. You used to write like three articles a day," and I said, "You know, the problem is, is that there the the, the number of scandals and and." Criminal activities and horrific events—that's coming out of this administration—are. It, it, we are being so inundated; mm-hmm. it's so constant. It used to be you could write a story on Monday, and that would have some legs for a couple of days. Right. You know, <laughs> now you write a story Monday morning, and by month, like an hour later, there's four other things that have happened mm-hmm. that trump that quote exactly. Unquote. And and unless you want to spend every minute of your life cranking out uh, material you can't keep up with it and now there are so many voices out there Mm -hmm. yelling and screaming and hollering i personally had to step back and do some other things because i just went i can't i felt talked out i felt like you know it's that kind of thing when i'm in front of a bully there's a point where i walk away because you can't argue with a bully Mm -hmm. you can't Makes sense. You can't get them to to go. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. And everything <laughs> yeah, do with Trump, Trump whether, will never whether, say that. <laughs> right. Whether it's Trump or whether it's his uh, supporters in the government or whether it's his supporters out in the world, you can't have those conversations with them. They they're impossible. So when people say, why do you, why don't you ever engage with Trump supporters? Because I I it, it's no. a it's a exercise in futility. It is. It really is. And I don't want to waste any more of my life than I have than I do, uh, and I don't waste my life. But there is, you know, I had to do a project this weekend, and I'm still working on it. Where I've been off social media by and large, and I got to tell you, I I kind of went, oh my God, that's right. There's this life out here. Yeah, there's something else, live, you know, that has to do with other things besides what this guy is doing and how everybody is responding to it, and. You know, I think that that kind of fixation on something that's that
0: negative and destruction, destructive is
1: very unhealthy for this country. Very, yeah, well, I mean, I
0: definitely try. Like, for instance, with um, this article that I wrote, I, I want to find a little, I mean, I'm not always going to offer a silver lining or any or a lesson or anything like that, but right. sometimes that's what I strive for. And one of the things that really occurred to me after I watched The Loudest Voice was that Roger Ailes is dead and and, and Trump is not going to have the benefit of his advice and, um, you know, his, his strategic advice because, you know, he's got Bill Shine, he's got whoever else is in his ear, you know, telling right. him how to handle. But as much as Ailes was a disgusting, vile human being, the guy was brilliant. He understood right. messaging. He understood how to get to that core issue that... I mean, I think every, for the most part, Trump's base, you know, you look at Roger Ailes' wife and I think she's kind of a perfect representation because <laughs> she's got like an inner anger and, and she takes that anger out in her political views. And I know people who do this. I mean, I know, right. you know, whether it's racism or if, if, you know, there's someone I know that and I can't get into it because I'm related to them, but <laughs> yeah. they're they're a Tea Party conservative, and interestingly, um, it's a woman, and you know she said, "I'm a conservative to me," because I was talking to her about um, how I lost my Facebook page last year, and it was not just liberals; it was 800 people, both conservative and liberal, who lost their pages, and and I said something about. Um, you know, that I'm a liberal. She knows I'm a liberal, but she says, I'm a conservative. And I bit my tongue, but I just wanted to say, then why do you support Trump? If you're conservative, why do you support, he's not conservative, but anyway. But the thing is, is that I truly believe that her um, political ideology has morphed from somebody who used to make fun of the John Birch Society, which is basically the Tea Party, uh, to somebody who is now part of it. And there are certain things in her life that uh, may have triggered anger and she knows certain liberals that she doesn't necessarily, she might have resentments against these, these liberal people. And so for her, instead of getting mad at the person, instead of getting mad at herself for certain things that she would have liked to have happen in her life and didn't happen or whatever it is, right? that, that anger comes out in a political way. And so Roger Ailes understands how to reach the, that woman that I'm talking about, right. and, and right. touch her anger and stir her up. And so he was in Trump's ear. I mean, he was writing speeches and giving talking points to the Bushes. He did the same for Trump. And he gave Donald this huge platform where, well,
1: he, he, yeah, where he, he got Fox. far more coverage yeah than anybody else. I mean, he
0: MSNBC had- certainly gave Trump a lot of coverage, but it was more than just coverage. They gave him support. And, um, so, you know, and that's going away. So I think that this is, you know, as we kick off the, the real official 2020 election cycle, um, I think we're looking at some, I mean, there's always, you know, don't get happy as I always say, um, assume that you're the only person, you know, you're going to be, your, your vote is the one vote that's going to change everything. Assume that. And, you know, have a plan. Don't just, don't just vote. Have a plan. Get, you know, get registered. Make sure you're registered right before you go. Take screenshots of your registration online. Right. And, you know, if you can drive people to polls, if you can get a day off, however you're going to do it, just make sure uh, you're good. Whether your phone, you know, your phone banking, just make sure you're doing this because the the one thing that we don't know and we can't um, determine how it's all going to go down is, is the Russian attack. Um, we do know they're going to be more sophisticated and we kind of understand their MO, but I'm sure they have new things up their sleeves. So we have to be, um, you know, we, we, we just have to be vigilant vigilant, and, and, and not make any assumptions. But that all said, I think we're starting off the election cycle in a positive way because, um. Ding dong! Well, Roger Ailes is dead.
1: <laughs> well, and I al- and I also think we have the benefit of our experience uh, of the yes. shock of to- 2016. You know, I I mean I will be the first to admit that <clears throat> I was completely and utterly gobsmacked by what happened. I did yeah. not think for a second. You know, there are people like, no, I knew I had a feeling, and I'm not me. I had no feeling. I was I was paying attention to every major poll even smaller polls throughout that whole period of time leading up to the election. And never once did I honestly believe this guy would win. So I learned a very painful lesson, which is I don't pay attention to polls anymore for one thing. And that's not to say I'm I'm not curious about them or I don't get a rush when I see that Trump's unpopularity is rising. It's, but I don't will never again in my life uh, get not cocky, that's the wrong word, confident about an election, which is kind of tough because, you know, this one, this one coming up to me is so, it's, I can't think of a more important election no. in my lifetime. And I don't know that there will be any more important election after this one because this guy is such a um, incendiary spark for the very worst of humanity. Yeah. And which has been proven by so many so many things that have happened since he's come on on board that i feel like we have to america has to really make a decision about mm-hmm. where they want to exist and live in the history of time you know because it's like you know i i took some glee hearing about boris johnson um, yeah i know <laughs> yesterday right that was awesome <laughs> you know i mean i wish that that it was as simple as that here but it, it whenever I see things like that, I say to myself, we're, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. There's a lot of good people that are doing a lot of things that we don't even we don't even hear about them. Right. Like <clears throat> we don't even know what's going on behind the scenes with a lot of good people that are working very hard to assure that this election is fair and, um, you know, honest and all of that but you know we have to see it in in evidence and i think that you know you're right about things changing what i'd like to see is people changing mm-hmm. you know like we were talking about it i think we tweeted back and forth about the farmer situation that it's like the the tragedy of what's happening with with the farm industry i hope as awful as all that is i hope that those people look in the mirror and say i have to make a more responsible vote mm-hmm i can't just vote for somebody that i think is going to take care of me because the fact is he not only didn't take care of me he is hurting and destroying many other people and things and that you know maybe i'm a bit of a pollyanna but i believe you you know everybody says politics is local i get that i get that we all care about what affects us personally But we can't anymore, not when we're voting for president. We can when we're voting for our city councilmen and our representatives and even our senators. But when it comes to the president of the United States, you have to go beyond your own circle, your own needs. And all I had to do was look at Trump and go, anything that he can destroy, he will. So he cannot be allowed to continue. And I hope everybody who has any sense of conscience or any sense of the bigger picture, any sense of human compassion will make a smarter vote next time. Even if I, you they know, vote for I, Joe
0: Walsh. Yeah I, yeah, I do think that there you know, I mean I say this all the time and I know I'm a broken record, but I always you know, I go back to twenty eighteen and there was an article in Axios by an election expert who said, you know, when you when you take a look at twenty eighteen, he's predicting a blue flood for twenty twenty and primarily the people who the people who came out to vote voted because of Trump, whether it was for or against. Most were against. And, um, I mean, it was 2018, so they were voting for, um, you know, Senate and all that. But, right. Um, but still, it was it was about Trump, and I, you know, we are hit with that fire hose of news all day long, as you were talking about. There's a hundred stories coming out, one topping the other, and everybody forgets what. But in the bigger picture, we don't forget. We remember that there are children dying in cages. Absolutely. We, we remember people are being shot with um, AR rifles. We we remember all this stuff collectively, and. It and, was and the youth. sheer
1: and the sheer critical mass of it too. Yeah, you know because it is so relentless and so yeah. so uh, tsunami-like. It, the critical mass of it kind of gets into your cellular memory
0: and you exactly can't forget exactly. And then I think his prediction, this election expert's prediction, was sixty-seven percent showing up to vote. And I hope that that's the case. And I mean, I, you know, I I always want to say, you know, it's a don't get happy, but. Um, I think that we have to remind ourselves that there is hope because if we get too bogged down in the idea that there is no hope, then uh, there's going to be apathy. So this and you know what, going back to what you were saying about this being an important election, it's extremely important. And if we're fortunate enough to win and if we get the Senate, keep the House and win the presidency, we have a lot of work to do because um I always say the next time around we could get smart Trump. I mean, you take a look at somebody like Roger Ailes and you know, he was so smart. smart. (laughs) (laughs) He was such a smart guy and you know, maybe he wasn't the best looking guy. Not that Trump is good looking, but Trump clearly has some kind of charisma, that and he understands how to reach people. So it's it's like all you need is the, the package. Trump has that package. Whether, you know, again it's not about how he looks, but he he makes his look work for him. And he is able <laughs> he yeah. is but people don't care. They I don't know. care. I mean we all make fun of him. And I will make fun of him for his fucking hair. And I, and I talk about body image all the time, but it's him and he's destroying the country. And so I have I don't give a shit. I will make fun of <laughs> him. Know. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and he lives in Trump bubble anyway. You know, he lives right. he lives in a universe that none of us have any real understanding of. He's been in this Trump bubble since he was born and he's got his own reality so um you know but 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 your point but your point about the smart trump is a really really important
1: one because the the only uh, the only good part of trump is that he's not smart he may be smart like you said street savvy right he knows how to play the media he knows how to do certain things but he is not a roger ailes he is not a you know he is he is being used by guys like roger ailes and stuff he is not the puppet master he's the puppet oh and,
0: he's totally the puppet
1: and we may get a, bl- a red puppet the next time and we can't afford to do that I totally agree with you that you know I think that but you know it's interesting I do think that people are the electorate itself people in the world in the country are more aware uh by virtue of social media and cable news and as 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 oversaturating as it is as as ubiquitous and relentless as it is i do think that it has had the effect of making the average joe on the street far more aware mm-hmm. and far more educated about what what this all is it certainly has me i know way more about government now than <laughs> Yeah actually years ago. so do i <laughs> right and And I considered myself pretty savvy, but I know way more about the minutia and the machinations of it all now, simply because we have ways of communicating directly with these people through Mm -hmm. Twitter and, and through, you know, different ways that they communicate. And so I think that we all know that no matter what happens in 2020... And I hope to God your elect, the guy you're quoting is correct because. Me too. If if it's if it's the other way, then mm-hmm. then that's I, it. I don't, I don't know. I can't even. I can't no. even think about it. No, I we can't, can't even e- think about it. We can't.
0: It. Absolutely, so we can't think about
1: all it. All I want to say is I agree with you one hundred percent that that if the the good result happens, we have to take that bounty and really, really use it for good to change things in a positive way. I mean, it, it's so. I sit there and I look at the GOP's tweets about, you know, the Democrats, if they get in, they're going to socialize everything and they mm-hmm. hate America and they're going to take your guns and they're going to do this. And And I sit there and I go, this is, you know, these are tweets coming from an, I know it's one person writing them, but they're representing an entire party. Yeah. And I, I just want to say that these are just lies. They're just lies. You're You're tweeting and retweeting lies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at least say something that that is valid, you know, say, we don't agree with, you know, pro-choice. Okay, so you don't agree with it. Say if if, if Democrats win, pro-choice will continue to be an option for women. And if you're not for that, that's bad. Yeah, but don't outright lie. And but that's say really that- all
0: they have. And that's, that's the whole point. I mean, you know, his, Trump's presidency has exposed the weaknesses in our system. And, yeah. you know, they're, Unfortunately, since I mean, obviously, for a very long time, r- conservatives have been using fear tactics as campaign messaging, and, and they campaign 24 um, and, seven. And right now, they only have lies to go on. And, you know, I've said this before, but I lived a portion of my life in Soviet Russia and i i yeah. got to see Jesus. up front what that's like i mean granted we're not going to be soviet russia here but the parallels you know i mean i would see pravda all over moscow behind closed glass and pravda is the is the propaganda paper that's right. in, in you know translates to truth ha <laughs> it's just like yeah. fair and balanced it's exactly right. the right. same thing it's it, they're spewing out propaganda because they have nothing else and so um you know, we, we have so much work to do with securing our elections. Hopefully, um, it will become uh, a federal law that in order to run for presidency, you have to reveal um, your, your taxes for X Tax, amount of absolutely. years. There are certain things that need to be done. Um, you know, I want to switch the subject here because sure. um, I, I did announce this on Twitter. And there's a woman, I, don't, I hope I say her name right. Her name is Tressa or Tresa or Trisa. I'm not sure. Anyway, and then it's Undem. So it's one of these, I, I apologize if I'm saying your name wrong, but you're completely awesome. She did a, a Twitter thread. It's called, My Top 20 Insights Over the Past Year on Views Toward Women in Equality. Um, so the first tweet, and let's just talk about this, it says, A majority of likely 2020 voters think gender equality has not been achieved. The exception, 77% of men say we've made it. Yeah. So oh this brings us to the Equal Rights Amendment. Of course. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to say that um, I was certainly not one of those people in 2012 when I met Kamala Lopez and she was making the documentary Equal Means Equal. Um, She approached me when I was giving a speech about women's equality at the Capitol building in D.C. And she said, do you think men and women are equal? And I I think I might have said something like, well, yeah, we are. But and then I and she just interrupted me and she said, no, we're not. We're not in the Constitution. And I was like, what? And then, of course, that's become my whole big thing sure. is the ERA. So interestingly, and, you know, I'll bet you, though, 77% of Republican men who say we've made it um, will throw the 14th Amendment in your face. And the 14th Amendment, which I don't have in front of me, says men three separate times, never went, mentions women. And, and here's the, the reason why we know it doesn't work to protect women against gender discrimination. Whenever that has been um, brought up in a court case and used. It has not worked. The other lawyer, you know, who is is, is saying no there was no discrimination, can take the fourteenth Amendment, break it down and say, No, the, the point of the Fourteenth Amendment does not uh, equate gender discrimination and therefore the Fourteenth Amendment gets thrown out. So the Equal Rights Amendment is the only thing that's going to truly get that in there. But isn't that interesting that Republican men think we've made it?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it, what's what's that is completely expected. You yeah, know, because re- Republican men, as we said at the beginning of this conversation, are kind of a breed of themselves. You know, they're, they're they they do not necessarily see the world through the same lens that you or I might mm-hmm. or even somebody who's not even as. Left as we might be, um, <clears throat> but I think you know. I think that issue of 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 equality it, it comes down again to privilege because whether whether you're talking about racial equality or uh, orientation equality or or women's equality, if you're wrapped up in the privilege of the side that's considered superior, you do not see what the other people are dealing with. Yeah. You do not see what the unprivileged people deal with or feel on a day-to-day basis. And I don't think even good, smart, savvy, plugged-in men, I don't even think they can 100% no. fully get what it's like to be a woman in this world. And and a lot of women don't because they're so wrapped up in the patriarchy, they're so mm-hmm. wrapped up in the, the, the way the system is set up, in the structure. Of our society, that they don't even see it. It's 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 like Beth uh, Ailes, you know. I mean, she she was just a perfect example of that kind of a woman who's so invested in the patriarchy mm-hmm. that she doesn't even see how it has hurt her, how it has afflicted her as an intelligent woman. Yeah, but it was and, kind of
0: interesting. And I, I mean, here's a little bit of a spoiler for Loudest Voice, so FYI. Um, You know, her reaction to when Gretchen Carlson brought that suit, it was like her eyes kind of opened about his character, maybe not so much as a conservative woman, but just as the fact that she put all of her um, trust into Roger and whether or not, you know, her gut was telling her one thing, her brain decided that he was innocent of what he was accused of. And so she went along with that because it served her. Her marriage; it served her political points of view, but um, after it came it's, out and there were tapes, it was like, "What right. could she say?" She was. She right, just... but
1: I mean, I I think that that's just a, a, just one of many gazillion examples of of this topic that you've brought up, which I think is is such a, an essential important topic. You know, as an older woman, I look at what women. You know, younger women don't necessarily know everything that even my generation and your, our generation's experienced mm-hmm. younger, but even women today are dealing with different ways in which they are viewed as artists, as businesswomen, as, 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 as anything. Mm-hmm. It's just so endemic in our system that it's hard for people to kind of pull the threads out and go, oh, I see. So in this arena, you know, I mean, I, God, it's like I always laugh. I used to say to my husband when we needed to take the car in, you talk to the guy because he he has that thing where he talks to me like I'm a stupid woman yeah. who doesn't know anything, and I don't feel like having that conversation this morning. So you go in and do the man thing because we just need to get the damn car fixed. You know? <laughs> um, but I see it all the time, yeah. you know, and and um, that will only change by the evolution of the uh, American spirit in the mm-hmm. sense that parents are teaching their boys and their girls to look at it differently than we were taught. Whether taught overtly or taught just, you know, by osmosis, you know. Um, And that, you know, because that's a conversation. I have a 27-year-old son, and, you know, we've had these conversations a lot about women and treating women and where women sit in the marketplace and how women are to Mm -hmm. be viewed, et cetera. But, you know, we still have people that are going, well, Me Too makes men afraid, you know. And so...
0: (laughs) Too fucking like, bad. Women have been yeah, afraid right. since the dawn of time.
1: I know, I know. That's a whole other that's a whole other show. <laughs>
0: well, and then here here's her second tweet. Um this is this is unfucking believable. Forty percent of Republican men voters say it's true or are not sure whether quote, most women get their periods at the first of the month. Oh, my God. Are you? F- and then it says, we asked this question to better understand people's knowledge in light of the recent six-week abortion bans. And then, um, let's see, number three, 40, 40 per seven, ah, 40% of women, 2020 voters, uh, feel angry, scared, nervous, or sad about the state of women's rights and equality. Yeah, that's um, – I'm going to go back to this period thing um, because it kind of ties in where you have – A group of people, specifically Republican men, specifically white men, who don't even understand uh, women's anatomy, and another show, which John um, Oliver, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, did a great segment about how doctors not only don't listen to women, but don't even understand women's... There was a a test, I think, back in the 80s. It was like on 60 Minutes. Uh, There was some kind of a... Not a test, but a study done on um, uterine cancer and mm-hmm. it was done, uh, and the study was performed on men. <laughs> and the reason why was because pesky hormones, go, pesky women's hormones, got in the way. Oh my so, god! So, um, oh my god! A lot of the, uh, you know, when when women go to the doctor they they're either not believed about their pain they they're treated as hysterical like you're overreacting if they have heart attack they women are sent home for heart attacks but anyway so you've got this you've got this men don't understand women's anatomy and they are legislating it and right. then women are angry scared and nervous about the state of equality well of course we are because we've got all these freaking men who don't understand how a body works. Doctors don't even understand it. You've got legislators who think, um, female legislators who think that rape kits are basically abortion kits if you get pregnant from a rape. And Jesus. you've got, you know, I do feel angry, scared, and nervous. And the interesting thing is, is it's like, for the most part, because I'm 51 years old, A, I'm never going to have to worry about getting an abortion. So that's off the right. table for me for fear. Right. But I do feel empathy for, I mean, I was a woman who was capable of becoming pregnant. And it was an extremely important issue for me. And I was right. always so grateful that if I, if I had become pregnant when I didn't want to be, I could have an abortion and, and it certainly wouldn't have been fun, but it would have been absolutely my enthusiastic choice because I wouldn't have wanted to be pregnant. You know, there were certainly many times in my life where I was, you know, dating somebody who wasn't serious, but uh, if I had become pregnant, no No way. I wouldn't have had the kid. you know,
1: I've said this so many times before. I feel that all of this comes down to theocracy. All of this comes down to these men and the women who are in tandem with them have religious beliefs. Generally in America, it's Christianity that believe that sex is a sin. Mm -hmm. Sex is bad. Uh, Anything related to sex, particularly regarding women, Is something to be horrified by, and so the result of sex equaling a baby or a fetus or a you know fetal tissue uh, has to be treated. You know, it's it's so uh, intertwined with people's religious beliefs, and Mm -hmm. that's what makes me angry. It's like. I'm sorry if 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 you believe that that's killing a human being to scrape out a couple of cells of tissue, that's your right to think that. I don't share your belief with that. Mm -hmm. So take your belief and go over there and believe it and live your life with that belief. But do not impose it upon legislation that impacts millions of other people who do not share your belief. And that I think is what we're dealing with. You know, I mean, we don't we don't ever have conversations about. what insurance covers for men related to their penises, right? We, we don't have conversations about whether Viagra should be covered by insurance or whether the military providing Viagra for their, their ranks is something the American taxpayer should pay for. We don't have those conversations. We only have them related to women's health, women's sexual mm-hmm. system, women's reproductive rights. Those are the rights that, those are the things that we talk about because women, sex sin christian theocracy Mm -hmm. it's all part of the same playbook Mm -hmm. and you know i I don't i I, whenever i hear anyone start talking about bringing religion back into Mm politics i just want to vomit because we're basically talking about you know people scream about sharia law excuse me it's the republicans screaming about that well what do they think telling women they can't take care make their own decisions about their own bodies what do they think that is what do they think that is you know
0: yeah well um, the you know the only thing that they can come back with is you're murdering children and then and then making it even worse you know you have this idea that trump has now two times at rallies said that um something like uh, you know, a baby is born wrapped up in a beautiful white blanket, and then the parents choose whether they want to kill it. And it's like that's not what's oh, happening, Jesus. and and they but call see,
1: that's just lies. Uh,
0: it's, it's just total just... lies, and it's something called like po- post birth abortion, or it's like oh, it doesn't even make any sense. I think
1: we I think we just call that homicide. In the, <laughs> yeah,
0: of exactly, America. and and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's just a lie. Jennifer Gunter, who is an OBG, we are OBGYN and just came out with a book, The Vagina Bible, she wrote about her experience in the New York Times, where she had been pregnant, and I think it was with twins. Um, And one of those children, you know, one of her babies was the the first one was born, and it was going to die. And she wrote about her experience of how, how to deal with that with a doctor. And that's what Trump doesn't understand and he's talking about yeah. this and it's like basically the doctor and the parents decide how they're going to handle this infant and you know, this infant that's going to die. And and right. making it the most comfortable and you know, it's not like you're just shooting it. It's but but that's that's the picture that but, they're but painting.
1: These, right. You don't you don't have nuances when you're dealing yeah. with theocracy. There are no, no nuances. We don't get into individual stories of human compassion and human need. These are not tools used by the contingent that's going with this thing. It's just, you know, they're opposite ends of the spectrum of, of human interaction. So, you know, to expect, I expect nothing from, from, the Republicans, but lies and dishonesty at this point, and whether it's about women's health care or abortions or whatever it is, guns, whatever it is. So, you know, it just makes me angry, though, for the women who are being impacted by this, who will be impacted mm-hmm. by this, and to me, I, I, you know, I, I will always scream a, against the notion of injecting any religious beliefs into any legislation of any kind Mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you to allow everybody to practice whatever religion or not practice a religion that they choose yeah and that to me
0: is the only conversation religion should ever have in our political discussions ever i totally agree um i also want to talk about this tweet because this was interesting this is part of her thread it's number eight i'm not going over although i wanted to say this she says the face of feminism today is a popular mainstream black woman, Michelle Obama. I'm all for I that. Know. That's awesome.
1: I'm all for that too. <laughs> I
0: love her. I love, oh, I just love her. So anyway, and then she says, number eight says the Kavanaugh-Ford testimonies last fall had a big impact on voters. They made a majority of key voting blocs think about men having more power in government than women. Um, so it says this, percept, uh, this perception pre- predicted, voting, predicted voting dem in the twenty eighteen midterms, so basically, the right. people who watched that whole oh god, it was so awful. It was like, it was such a triggering thing, oh and you no, know, it was so triggering. It was, so it was, triggering. was, it was triggering for my mom because uh, my mom and she shared her experience where she was, you know, she was almost raped. This guy, uh, she I, like she had met him and they were out, and he said, oh, uh, you know. Let me, I can't remember the, the details of the story, but she was a young woman, and somehow she wound, ba- she wound up at his apartment thinking that they were just going to be there for a minute. And in the end, he uh, he pushed her down on the bed, and she was really afraid because she was wearing hard contact lenses. And she was frightened oh. that if maybe he punched her or something, that it would blind her. And yeah. she looked at him, and she said, you're going to rape me, aren't you? And that kind of shook him out of it. and And he stopped, and he apologized, and she ran out of there. So... It was something that she put in a box and right. didn't really think about. And then when the Kavanaugh hearings happened, it just really messed her up. I mean, she—you know—I've—I've I've never really. I mean, my mom well, is so it, strong. It just really screwed her up.
1: Well, I think it—it it triggered a lot of. For me, it was interesting because uh, I have been really horrified by the way women have been treated. You know, since. Well, always, but, you know, the Anita Hill thing predated this. And I I remember sitting, I was pregnant with my son at the time, sitting and watching every minute of that hearing and being so insanely angry. Mm -hmm. And so when this one happened, it was very much a a replay of that. But where my rage, my rage tipped the scales was watching Brett Kavanaugh. (sighs) Acting like the wounded victim, yes. screaming, yelling, attacking Amy Clover, acting like yeah. a just a tantruming, mm-hmm. hysterical, entitled, red-faced, privileged, red like how dare you? Yeah. And all I kept saying is, a sane, intelligent, yeah. innocent man would have sat there and gone, "My God, I am so sorry." that you had that experience. I don't remember it that way. but if anything I did made you feel that way, I God, I'm sorry. yeah that you know, we all you know we all did I know I did stupid stuff when I was in high school and college that make me cringe now. yeah. So I would say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I I was dumb and young and you have a I'm so sorry. That's what he should have done. but yeah. instead, he turned it into a screeching, whining, white male. Oh, everything about it made me sick. It, yeah. was, it was emblematic to me of the entire white male privilege mm-hmm. demographic. And the fact yeah. that it had no bearing on him becoming a lifetime member yeah. of the Supreme Court, to me, I, I was so horrified by that. I thought, well, and, well, and first,
0: all you hear is first, how men have to suffer. What happened? He, he went to the Supreme Court.
1: Yeah, poor guy, poor little man. (laughs) Yeah. Poor little man. You know, I'm sorry. You know, and and, and I've had, I think we talked about this the last time we got together, that I've had a couple of really good liberal men say to me, yeah, but what would happen, you know, if if somebody came forward and said you did something and you didn't do it? I mean, that's a possibility. And I said, well, uh, against the voluminous percentage of women Mm -hmm. who have not spoken up about the men who have hurt them, and abused them and raped them and assaulted them against the few women who might step forward and exaggerate claims or misrepresent claims or outright lie claims. Yes, I'm sure there are women like that. I know a couple women who have done that, but against that much, much, much huger percentage of Mm -hmm. people that have not been dealt with compassionately. I say, you know, my good friend, if that were to happen to you, I hope you would say, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right. If I touched you on a rehearsal or at a gig and, and you thought I was being inappropriate, I'm sorry. I thought we were just goofing You know, you, mm-hmm. you take you take it and you deal with it. Yeah. You know, but you don't say we don't this movement is terrifying men and expect- Yeah, I'm
0: really I just have no fucking patience. Bill Maher says that <sighs> and it's like, you know, he he yeah. warns us all the time that we can't take it too far and and he always points to Al Franken. And, you know, the Al Franken thing I have such mixed opinions on, but understanding that seven women came out against him and two of them came out after he was a senator, it's hard for me to feel, um, I don't know. I I mean, I don't like the fact that he stepped down before there was an investigation. I I wish there would have been an investigation. Um, But I also know... hmm.
1: Well, I mean, I I liked Al Franken. I was I was what I what outraged me about uh, the way it was handled was there was all of this pressure coming from Democrats for him to to resign, mm-hmm. when at the same time the President of the United right. States had had made you know countless credible uh, accusations and nobody was saying anything. And I you know I, I I remember tweeting, uh, was it Jill? Was it was it who was it? Uh, Kirsten 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 Gillibrand. Uh, yeah. Gillibrand and saying, "Okay, if you're going to take this stance against a Democrat, you need to take it. It needs to be equal here. We mm-hmm. cannot kick all the Democrats out of office. Meanwhile, yeah. our country's being run by a total pressure. Yeah, totally. And and but my feeling was, if Al Franken had really had anything that needed to be investigated, I I put it on him. I say, Al, you should have stayed. Mm-hmm. You should have stayed, and you should. I mean, I think about Ralph Northam. Northern, right? Yeah, it's like." the guy you know was accused of all of this uh yeah, he, just he just stayed he just waited it he out he said I'm uh, yeah, i am staying yeah yeah that was stupid that was dumb uh i can't believe i did that other t- you know and, but i'm not going to walk away from my job yeah. and he stayed now you can say what you want about that have an opinion about that but i look at it and i go well he must have believed in himself so much that he went you know i'll take the slings and arrows but i'm not going to walk away yeah. for for some stupid mistake i made 30
0: years ago, well, I think Al should have done the same thing. Well, and you That's know, I
1: stand now.
0: Amanda Sowards was on the show uh, a while back and she worked, and I can't remember the details of all of, of where she works, but she worked in like an illegal department um, for a show or for a network or something like that. And so, you know, when she was hired, she was pulled aside by another woman that worked there and said, okay, here's the list of men to avoid. Don't be in a room alone with these men. Al Franken was on that list. And Amanda specified, it's not because he was a rapist, but he was, you know, first of all, he came, he was a comedian first. And he came from that like Saturday Night Live world sure. of edgy comedy. And so he could be handsy. He might not be that um, respectful of, of, you know, your personal body space and all of that. It wasn't that watch out, he's a sexual predator who will rape you. It's just that you don't necessarily want to get it. He might push things a little too far. So right. I don't know that, you know, I don't know what to believe, you know, you, I don't go for, especially when, a, when a, a, a woman says, um, makes an accusation about a political person. I think we can't jump to automatically believing we have to take them seriously because right. when it goes into the political world, you're not sure what their motivation is. I mean, you know, for certain, um, you can say, like, the women who came out against Joe Biden for, you know, inappropriate touching, not sexual touching, but just inappropriate touching, um, you can argue that they were um, politically motivated. Well, so was was Christine Blasey Ford. She did not want to see this guy sit on the Supreme Court. So it doesn't matter if they're politically motivated. What matters is, uh, well, I mean, it's part of the equation, I think. So
1: well, if, and, and overtly, because uh, Lucy Flores said it is part of the equation because I think if this guy's running for president. This is something you should know yeah, about him. Exactly. Right? And it's, it's like, like it
0: may just, or may not break him. But the point is, here's something to know. I mean, you know what? We already knew it. There's freaking yeah. footage of Joe Biden touching everybody on their shoulders. You know, one thing that I would like to just add is there's there have been a bunch of people, women and men, um, but I would speak directly to the men. Um who say, oh, it's not a big deal for Joe to come up behind a woman and embrace her and nuzzle her hair. Okay, if it's not a big deal, how would you feel if your uh, gay boss, gay male boss, did that to you? Right. I mean, would, it, would you say, oh, it's no big deal? Well, Where would it make you uncomfortable? He's not raping you. He's just touching your oh shoulders and sniffing your hair.
1: Well, and ask any straight guy who's married or has a girlfriend and say, how would you feel... If your wife or your girlfriend is yeah. standing off stage, waiting to go on stage, and her boss or one of her superiors came up behind her and pressed his body next to hers and nuzzled her hair and kissed her—I mean, how would you feel? And, and my husband said, "Well, of course, it's not even—it's an obvious answer." Especially, I would yeah. Not be,
0: Especially I would when not they're in a, pos- happy about that. yeah. When when that person is in a position of authority, it changes things. I mean you know you look at the uh, he's I'm not comparing Joe Biden to Roger Ailes because I don't think Joe Biden is a bad guy and I think throughout this whole thing um the point wasn't that Joe Biden was a bad guy it's like hey look things are changing maybe it's not a good idea to do this anymore um but when you take a look at the way Roger Ailes just assumed that he could put his hands on women um you know and then the women feel like they have to go along with it because he's the boss and the thing is is it's like it's real easy for someone to say oh she could have just quit she could have just walked away of course she could have but you know what there are um i was an actress and i never did i i I never went out with anybody i had an opportunity a couple of times where i could have gone out with producers and and i specifically said no and and that one of these guys didn't like it but you know I, i might have been able to get a work if if I went out with them and we had started a relationship, I might've been able to get, I, cer- I certainly would never go out with someone to get work. That's just not my personality. Right. But right. you know, if I had genuinely met someone that I was attracted to and gone out, but I didn't want to go out with a producer. I didn't want to go out with somebody in that position because I was very, very specific about being uh, professional and right. you know, and I did know women who would go have sex with people and, and, and they got further and I'm, you know, there are plenty of women out there who didn't have to have sex with anyone and they had great careers. But, right. but when you're a woman and you're trying to get ahead, sometimes that's the only option you have in front of you and you have to decide, am I willing to swallow this in order to get ahead? Because I'm not going to get ahead if I don't. And then, right. and then there's also the other, you know, we have been programmed and conditioned to please, we want people to be happy. We don't want right. to. We don't want to make them upset, and we don't want to, uh, you know, confront them with things that make us uncomfortable because we know that if we do that, they're going to make us sound like we're either hysterical or we're making a big deal out of a situation where there isn't one, and so we go we're along. We're too
1: sensitive. We're too yeah. sensitive, and we're too emotional. So we yeah. go
0: along. Yeah. And we do things, women do things sometimes that we're not proud of and that we feel embarrassed about. But we, d- we have, you know, I mean, it's, it's easy to point your finger and say, you could have just complained. You could have just left. It's like, yeah, you don't know no. what it's like. You don't know what that pressure is. I mean, you went back to saying, you know, men don't know what it's like to, to be a woman. Well, I know what it's like to be a woman, but I don't know what it's like to be a black woman. You know, black right. women have it much worse than we have. And right. and so it's and, and, and on down, you know, there, there are people who you cannot assume anything because you are but not walking is, in their shoes.
1: Well, and that's the mechanics of privilege, right? Yeah. And privilege is not just a word that means I think I'm better. It's the fact that you don't have the capacity to have true empathy and to to truly understand that someone is having a different life experience than you are because of their skin color, because of their gender, because of their orientation because of their whatever it is and I think that uh until people really understand you know it's the old thing I always say it empathy is the antidote to everything yes yeah. it really is because if you can stand there and go I'm not a woman uh I don't know what that's like to have I've I've been in situations where I've been uncomfortable superior so I can see where if you added in a sexual element boy that would really be good. right you yeah. know um, If until men and women of, you know, about other women can fully do that, we are going to continue to
0: have these uh, polarities and these (sighs) debates. Let me see if I can find one more. Um, Well, here's one. Uh, This was number 13. Think women presidential candidates aren't likable. Think again. And then it's poll. Warren and Harris lead the field in likability. This is from Vox. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, I still see... um, I still see, especially from Politico, sexist headlines, sexist oh, takes sure. on the uh, female candidates. But I think they've gotten better. And, you know, and, and one of my gauges is Chris Matthews, because he is the old school. He's got like right. one foot in the Republican Party, uh, right. or at least he's a conservative. I mean, you know, I, I agree with him a lot of the time, but it's like, dude, your time is kind of over. But, um, <laughs> I know I sound like such a bitch, but one of the things that he's been talking about lately um, is that, boy, wow, look at Warren. She's really getting ahead of, of, um, you know, of everybody. She's got this slow rise. And I think, you know, that's the way you do it. That's the way you build momentum is the slow momentum. And on top of it, I have seen the female candidates being very um, gracious to, to one another yeah um and, and I'm really grateful that they're doing that because I don't know how it's going to be when it comes down I think you know I mean I'm not sure what it's going to be but let's just take Sanders Biden Warren and Harris I don't know right. and let's have them all on a stage just alone I don't know how Harris and Warren are going to be when they have to prove that they're the better person for the job but I'm I'm kind of anticipating and we'll see because'm I'm, I'm not making a prediction but Judging by the way they've been behaving, I think maybe their approach will be, hey, look, Elizabeth has this great idea, but let me tell right. you why my version is better and, and right. more affordable or more whatever. And then Elizabeth will say, you know what, uh, I really respect Harris for her take on this, but here's why my you know take on this is yeah. going to help America. So it's like they're able to... Um, I, I, and I'm hoping that that's the way they're going to go. Push each other up, respect each other, because, you know, you got to win. you got to tell everybody why you're Absolutely. better than the other person. But Absolutely. you don't necessarily have to go on attack mode. And so it'll just be interesting to see how, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I disagree with the way the Democrats are handling. Um, we've got the 10 Democrats that are going to be on, well, I think it's like sept- September 14th. No, when is it? I don't remember. 12th, uh, maybe? I think the 12th. I don't remember. Um, but we've, we're going to have 10 people on stage, um, which I think should be... And I'm so be...
1: glad. I'm so glad. And I, I, I'm glad we're finally down to one night. And I, I heard that even some of the people that didn't qualify for this one could still qualify for the next one. And I think that's folly. I think we need to move on. And if you did not qualify for this one, it's time to let go. And yeah, let but you know what? That's,
0: that's the problem. Because now they have a chance to do it all over again. That's and, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. what I'm saying. Right, right, I don't right. think that's a good point. Di- I disagree, I, yeah, with the whole DNC no, uh, take on this. No, I think that we
1: need to move on. We need to hone it down and we need to focus. And I don't care what Marianne Williamson says about anything. And, <laughs> and so I don't really want to see her up on that stage. Sorry. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sorry, not sorry on that one too. I mean, look, I was a little bit patient um, because in the, I get her message of, Okay, it's it, this. What what's going on in America truly is beyond politics. Um, right. Politics has a huge part to play, but her whole idea of, um, you know, we've got to win with love. It's not going to fucking work. Half the country is so pissed off and angry and hateful that
1: well, it's it's like know your room. Yes, you know, and, it's and, like the
0: kumbaya sorry. thing isn't going to yeah. work. Know I know
1: your room and. You know, that might work with, with, you know, her pals here in L.A., but, um, you know, I I was paying attention to her last go around. I was invited to a couple of things that she talked to people's homes and stuff, and uh, I knew then that wasn't going to be my, that wasn't my plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, she. I mean, I, you know, I, I do agree with some of the things that she talks about, but in the, in, you know, in a bigger picture, but not for a presidential candidate. She is somebody who I just think it's time for her to go. And, um, <laughs> um, you know, I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But it's going to be interesting because um, it will be 10. It's going to be a lot. But it's, it's going to
1: be a lot. But we're moving forward. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing.
0: Uh, let me see here. Okay, uh, I haven't read this one. So this is number 14. We're starting to see Republican women move forward thinking men and women. Wait. We're starting to see Republican women move forward. Move toward. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, I'm I, I just I'm so out of it today. Uh, move toward <laughs> thinking men and women are equally good political leaders from men are better. Ha ha. Uh, So while Democrats are moving toward thinking women are better leaders, I would have not seen this data four years ago. So that's kind of interesting that that. that But I mean, it's equally good.
1: It's that thing about getting out on the dance floor. Right. It's like it's like Hillary was the first one on the dance floor in a big way. And and this year we've got lots more women and it's just going to keep going that way. Yeah, Um, it's it's just going to keep going that way. And every. it will stop being so
0: unusual it will stop yes and i'm living for that
1: exotic and novel it'll just be yeah we're having an election and a whole bunch of women a whole bunch of men are running big deal you know yeah uh that's how it should be yes hillary
0: absolutely started it and
1: yeah it's so in her way she did break a glass ceiling um and and she gets props for that which she should have broken the big one well she did actually well she did there she did some, win some, with
0: a popular vote, but unfortunately there were too many yeah. obstacles in her way.
1: Exactly. And Russia exactly. was
0: just, you know, that strong. Russia was
1: up on that glass ceiling with some very strong duct tape. Just yeah. kind to keep it, <laughs> yeah. just strapping that shit down.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, it's nice to think that people are starting to believe that, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go so far to say that women will be better because we've had some good presidents. And so, um. I think it's just it's just like anything else. Um, You're going to have some great women presidents and some great men presidents. But right right now, we know what it's like to have a great male president. So let's find out what it's like to have a great female. Are you still are you still in for Harris? Is she still your number one?
1: Right now. Yeah. Um, I like Elizabeth, but I'm still I'm still pushing for Harris. Um, I think Elizabeth is getting a lot more media and a lot more mm-hmm. attention, but we'll see. You know, yeah. it's still a way it's still to early. Um, if Elizabeth won the domination, I'd be fine with that. Um, yeah. But I want it to be one of the two of them. That's, so do I. That's where I stand. That's um, pretty
0: much what I mean. I'm, I'm I'm still in the Elizabeth Warren, but. But I also really like Kamala, and I, I, I would be thrilled to vote for her. I would be so excited to watch her go against Trump. So yeah. either one of them. Um, yeah,
1: that's how I feel. I'm, I'm very strongly against some of them, um, which we don't need to get into. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I, those two are my... Well, you
0: know, this was interesting because Steve Kornacki um, last night was filling in for Chris Matthews, which I'm always making my dinner, so he's always on. So he was talking about... Um, Iowa. And I I believe Joe Biden's team has kind of said they don't need Iowa. And Karnacki was opining and saying, I wonder if this is coming from a defensive posture because they think they might lose. And if they lose New Hampshire, um, certainly there is a path to that nomination, but it falls dramatically on optics alone. Um, If Joe Biden can't win Iowa and can't win New Hampshire, yeah. Then even though there is a path, it's not a very likely thing. And so I think that's kind of interesting um, yeah. to see. You know, I mean, I, I said this. Ah, oh God, I think I might have said this last week. But the thing about Joe Biden that bugs me is that it's not I don't I mean, I want to see a woman. Absolutely. But right. if the man that we were talking about was either um, Pete Buttigieg or. um what's his name, um, who I like the most, is Julian Castro. Julian I, I Castro. really like him the most. I do too. If, if he were the one, neither one of them are going to get the nomination, but if, if Julian was the one that everybody said he's the one who can beat Trump and, and then he was the one who got the nomination, I would still be disappointed that a woman didn't get it. But I would not be disappointed that Julian Castro got it because I really right. like him. The, the right. thing with Biden that bothers me so much is that He doesn't, all he's running on is I can beat Trump. He's, you know, Obama ran on hope and, 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 you know, he has this charisma and, and he was able to inspire people and say even Hillary, okay, she might've not been the absolute best, you know, handshaker, but she had charisma and a vision and, and she had, you know, granted uh, Joe has the work and the resume behind him. But he just doesn't have the singular message that is resonating with people other than I can be Trump. That's it.
1: Well, but, I, you know, I, I, I think that the majority of the country
0: that is shell
1: shocked by the fact that Trump won, quote unquote, won, and by the fact that he has he has had this administration of such trauma and and heinousness. <laughs> I can't even find the words anymore. I think there is a shell shock in the. The, the country amongst Democrats and people that are not for Trump that they're just like they I don't even know how many of them want to hear about they just want somebody who yeah, can beat Trump
0: exactly and, and you know that's
1: why Black- that's why Biden is winning in polls is because most people are like I don't know I don't know about policies I don't, I don't <laughs> know about plans just get that motherfucker out of the office. Right. Okay? And then, just, then he's hot. Hey, Joe, you can do it. Great. Go. Give him. And then he's
0: know. he's pulling high uh, with black people. And I think part of it is because they are experiencing more trauma than the rest of us.
1: Right. Exactly. And
0: so all they care about is I just want to be able to feed my kids and pay my rent and live my life. And Joe is the safest feeling right now because and he is Obama's if vice Joe- president
1: yeah and if joe gets the nomination i will campaign for so him will like i like nobody's business yeah because ultimately as much as i want a woman in there if if somebody said do you want a woman or do you want trump yeah i would i would have to go trump out you know that's right. the, that's, that is the priority yeah um and that's and that's a bigger picture perspective of course right? yes on my personal level i want a woman but on the bigger picture level on the global level mm-hmm. On the survival of humanity Mm -hmm. level, on the survival of the planet level, getting rid of Trump and his toadies is the most important
0: thing. Yeah. And I I do think that, you know, if and I would hope that Biden would beat Trump um, if, you know, when he's sworn in and finally this nightmare of Trump presidency is over. I mean, we still have a nightmare we've got to deal with with the electorate who got him in there. But um, I would be so relieved Oh, my God. You know, to see Joe Biden standing there compared to Donald right. Trump. I mean, know the he relief would
1: probably pick one of the two women to be his vice president. Yeah. You know that he would put good people around him. Yeah. The relief would be profound. Profound. Be profound.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, OK, let me see here. Uh, ooh. Let's see. I, I'm looking at this thread. There's so many things to choose. Um, this is such I an know, interesting I- thread. Uh, pardon me? And I am going
1: to have to wrap it here in a okay. few minutes.
0: All right. Well, um, then we'll just leave it at that. Don't forget to go to... It's, it's at... And then it's T-E... I'm going to put this in the text of the Patreon description... But, uh, go to, um, it's Tressa, which is T-R-E-S-A. And then her last name is U-N-D-E-M. It's, it's such a great thread. And it's, I,
1: I'm going to share that too. I think it's a great thread
0: too. Yeah. And so, I mean, I didn't get to everything, but, um, I think we, we talked about some of the really interesting stuff. So, um, I appreciate you coming on the show. This was a last minute thing. As I said before, I
1: always love jammering <laughs> with you, my friend.
0: I know I could just keep talking all day. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, it's funny cause I used to love to talk on the phone. I don't so much talk on the phone anymore. I don't either. Now I have I a podcast. Either. So yeah,
1: there you go. Well, call me anytime.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, well, I'm going right, to let Kimberly. you go and then I'm going to close the show.
1: All right, honey, take care. You I'll too. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. okay. Bye-bye.
0: Well, there she goes. And um, let's see. I just want to remind everybody, oh my God, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm most likely going to be interviewing Joe Walsh. I just can't get over that. Um, thank you for listening to this show. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at author Kimberly, and that's author K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. There's an extra name. I mean an extra E at the end of my name. And then you can also follow who's going to be on 18th and the 25th, Steph Walton, at Lady Brain Show. Don't forget to visit my Amazon author page to see the books I've written, including The Virgin Diaries, where 72 men and women describe what it's like to have sex for the very first time. Um, I also wrote Peyton's Choice, which is a fiction story about a teenager who chose to have an abortion. And um, that's going to be it for today. I, I think that I might be so completely wrapped up with um, podcasting next week. I, I, I'm just, I'm ending it here today and that's all you're going to get. But when... Um, what's next week I'm trying to think it's the 11th so that's when we're gonna have Tim wise and we're gonna have hopefully there's gonna be Holland Taylor on Monday there's gonna be Kristen Johnson on Tuesday Tim wise on Wednesday I might also be interviewing Gloria allred on uh, after I interview Tim wise and then maybe I can book Joe Walsh for Thursday so it's gonna be a crazy crazy week anyway um, again thank you for listening and we'll see you next time